and welcome to the latest episode of Wade In. This is your go-to weekly podcast. This is where you get everything you need for the week ahead in podcast form. And I'm joined week in, week out these days by Tony Calvin and Kevin Blake. Um, we've got loads to dissect racing-wise on and off the racetrack, really. Um, Kevin, let's just check in with you first. You're looking a little bit like puzzled and annoyed this morning, I think. Um, uh, no, 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 just yeah, plenty going on, but you don't need to hear about it. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. I well, detected like, that in the, in the pre-show chat as well. Yeah, yeah, I detected a bit of that. Not from you, though, TC. You're in cheery form. No, I, I, I've got my sun cream booked. Apparently, it's a balmy, going to be a balmy 12 degrees at Leopardstown over the weekend, isn't it? Really? Yeah, Long-range forecast is all right, yeah. And a little bird tells me they're, they're watering on the chase course today already. Yeah, that's a, that's a factual fact, as they oh. say. Yeah, yeah. Dublin Racing Festival, here we all come. Um, look, lads, like I say, loads to get through on this show. Um, some terrific performances on the track. But before we go there, unfortunately, we kind of have to kick the show off talking about that dreaded thing again, the whip. Because... Um, been in the news again over the weekend, specifically yesterday, because Sean Quinlan did quite an emotional interview on Sky Sports Racing with Andrew Thornton, um, explaining that how he's struggling with the new whip rules, which are due to come into place very, very soon. Obviously, we're in this bedding in period. And Sean, rather shockingly, I thought, revealed that um, it, under the new rules in the last week alone, he would have received 51 days worth of a ban for using his whip in the wrong way, um, which you know is a pretty alarming number, given that Sean Quinlan is a well-respected very, very qualified jockey um, with plenty of experience and has been riding brilliantly for many, many years now. We've had plenty of tweets on this. TC just flagging up one that he got in from Ash Simmons, who says, I know it's been covered extensively in recent weeks, but interviews like this Sean Quinlan interview keep coming out around the whip. It is having a massive psychological effect on our elite performers every day. And Kev, that was the big takeaway from the Quinlan interview, wasn't it? Just one effect this was having on a man. He actually admitted that he dropped his whip because he was so you know, conscious of using it in the mm. wrong way. So he actually dropped his whip. I mean, this isn't a good state of affairs. Yeah, well, it was a powerful interview now and an eye-opener because we, we've been hearing various little bits and pieces directly and indirectly from jockeys, um, you know, since the, the, the betting in period began and they started getting notified of, you know, potential breaches, etc. And Jesus, have we, have we been kind of, have we missed what could be the, the real problem with this, all these changes all along? Like we we, we focused in on the, the backhand, forehand thing. We're now, we then started focusing in on the reduction in the limit and would that cause problems? And geez, it seems that this, this the way they are seeking to enforce the um, the whip, the use of the, the, the height of the whip um, in usage, is seemingly becoming a focus point. And that, that could be the biggest problem of all because, you know, as well as the bits and pieces we've heard publicly, I've been made aware of a few privately, um, you know, jockeys getting flagged for, for rides that I've went and looked back at. And Jesus, like talk about innocuous. Like we were talking about um, in, in this discussion, you know, what, what is the gain from what the BHA are doing? And, you know, I was making the point like the, the majority of racing viewers wouldn't know the difference between backhand and forehand use. You know, and I tell you what, the vast majority 
of um, of racing viewers wouldn't know the difference between um, what, what what was fine under the, the whip height use before and now what isn't fine. And the jockeys are clearly having major problems as well. And like this could be an absolute um, a, a shite show, you know, when this comes in. Now, one part of my brain is saying maybe this is just scare tactics from the BHA. They're using the bedding in period as a means to scare the life out of jockeys so the compliance is high when the rules kick in. I don't know if that's the case. Even if it is, this could be this could backfire horrendously on them. And by scaring the life out of all these jockeys, they they could they they, they could cause some like very direct action from the jockeys. Like, you know, there must be the jockeys amongst themselves now must be having very serious chats but what they can do in their power, you know, could they could you hate to say it because it would be such a mess for the game. Like, could they be considering strike action over yeah. this? Because if jockeys, like we know rules are rules and you abide by them, but if the rules are so, um, are, are going to be imposed so strictly on very technical minor aspects of whip usage, as it seems uh, we're hearing it's likely to be, like, go oh, as a group, the jockeys are going to have to be like 51 days for Sean Quinn. And like 51 days is, is a life changer, a career changer. In if a that week, was to happen. 51 days from In a week. In a week. Like there, there'd be no one left to ride at Cheltenham. No. Um, it might sound like a, a sensational statement, but my God, this could be wild, you know, worse than any of us feared. Um, mm. And I'd be a great man for trying to look at the positive side of things and trying to not get too excited. But ooh, like this is highly concerning. TC, are you are you in the camp of, you know, you hear some people saying, well, you know, those are the new rules. You've just got to adjust, like get adjusting. Are you are you in the camp of thinking along those lines or not? Not really, but, you, you know, the limited people I speak to about this, it is a big issue. I mean, you've had Brendan Powell Jr. Um, on social media on Sunday and Monday just talking about they weren't consulted about the height of the, they said they weren't consulted about this height of the whip. And as Kevin said, that seems to be an additional and, and maybe the most problematical area. I mean, these these whip rules are coming in in, this, in the start of February. So if you've got these bands being bandied around from, from the early February onwards, it's going to, you know, availability is going to be, of jockeys is going to be key, isn't it? I mean, you talk about field sizes. I mean, we might have the, might have the jockeys to service, you know, the, the field sizes we've currently got. Um I mean, it's, it's like I said, it's a massive issue. And if they are going down the scaremongering route, um, it's an admission of failure, isn't it, from the BHA? If they are going in and saying, you know, you're going to get 51 days and you have to go and get another job for two months. It, it's simple as that. I mean, they, you know, Sean Greenland wouldn't have money coming out of his ears. Like, And some jockeys could maybe cushion the blow for two months. But, you know, the jockeys down the scale, they'd have to go and get another job. Yeah, I mean the big the uh, watching that interview for me, it was just sad. I I personally felt sad that someone was, you know, he's voicing how affected he's been mentally about all of this. You know, he's a man who's been doing a job well for twenty years, and now essentially he's being made to feel like he's not doing his job well, and that really yeah, affects uh, people. It would affect all of us, and I think it, that's the saddest part of it for me. Yeah, it's, yeah. But anyway, no, it's, sorry, it's um. If his confidence is shot to bits, I mean, you know, a trainer, it's horrible. It's horrible. Trainers and owners are going to look at that, and I know it's a horrible thing to say. They might look at that and think, you know, is he in the right state of uh, state of mind to be riding my horse and stuff? Now, yeah. hopefully, you know, they they back him up and they they have some royalty there. But he, like I said, he was 
He was tearful, wasn't he? Yeah, no, it was bad. It was not. It was not pleasant viewing. And John Look, Vanessa, just, 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 just quickly, Anna, because like again, just, just to broaden it out into the question we've asked before in this podcast, like, what is the benefit of this? Like, I'm, I'm all for it, and, and in other cases, like, I'd be a big believer in, you know, greater deterrence and coming down hard on certain things, you know, be it interference, because there's a, a big safety element to that. But what is the benefit? of what they're doing here, of potentially causing like utter consternation, putting the issue in focus, like to, to the, to, to the, to, with the exception of everything else, like where's the benefit to this? It, for the man in the street, for anyone, any professional, does it make a difference really? If you're talking about a matter of inches in terms of whip height, like who cares really? You know, and, and like we talked about this when the initial consultation, etc., was announced, like where was the clamor for action on this? You know, I know they'll say <laughs> they'll talk, they'll talk about all oh, the you know wider society changing attitudes, etc. That's I never saw one person in my life go out on the street and protest with abuse and racing. Certainly not recently. You know, yeah. what what are we doing here? What are we doing? Why are we doing this? Why are we putting ourselves through this? And in contrast, the BHA have sat on their hands for years over the interference issue where you get horses and jockeys put on the deck and potentially killed or mangled. And they, they sit on their hands and do nothing over that. But with this issue, they're prepared to go to war. And that's what they're doing. Like yeah, we're talking no, about the risk of jockey strikes of of this overshadowing the biggest event in the sport. Like that's how strongly they feel about this, and I just don't see it. I just it, don't see the benefit. So what the thing that BHA can do is what the RFU did about the tackle height. They brought in a tackle height, dropping it down to waist level, and that causes more injury. If you're going in on someone's hip bone, you're more likely to break your jaw and, and create more injury for the tackler. The RFU said, "No, we got that wrong." We're reversing it. We'll go and have a look. At the yeah. very least, the BHA can actually just say, no, we're not implementing this in February. We don't want this impacting on Cheltenham and Aintree, which We've is got- a very minute. Yeah, take, take, take a pull, lads. Do the right thing. You know, do the right. And we, and know, that, not- that we, know, we know what they're doing was, was well-meaning. But but the, the, all the all the consternation this is going to cause it is not worth it. Not in this form. You know the example you give with rugby there that that was rooted in safety. You know head injuries is the, is the biggest thing in rugby for a long time now. Again, but so there is a benefit to what they were seeking to do. Like I, I just don't see the benefit. Maybe marginal, maybe marginal, but it's not worth all this all this consternation and potential okay. mayhem. It, it really Have isn't. You- you mentioned interference rules and, you know, you've always banged that drum that it's so much more important to hammer those down than, you know, the whip because it comes down to, as you say, safety. And we've had a couple of pretty major incidents, both sides of the Irish Sea, and um, one with Paddy Brennan at Doncaster. He got a six-day ban for improper riding. Um, you flagged that up on the WhatsApp group very early that that was a bit of a shocker and six days is heavy enough for him. And then also we had a reversal of the placings, rather shocking at Nace with Romilly's and the Devil's Coachman in the grade three there. Obviously, Romilly's ridden by Paul Tanner was first past the post, was demoted to second due to the interference caused in the closing stages of that race. Is this a sign of things to come? Are we on the turn with this? I look, generally with, with interference, like it pops up way more in the flat than it does over jumps, you know, tighter margins, you know, more competitive finishes, etc. A little bit more spaced out over jumps, so we don't see it as much. But we just happen to have two examples this weekend. Like, like Paddy did the wrong thing, um, and you know, two horses ended up on the floor. Um, six days to me, um, 
as you, as you could probably guess, insufficient really. Um, doesn't 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 tally in like Sean Quinn in fifty one days for you know potentially for for minor technical breaches of the use of the whip. Um, six days horses on the floor. Um, I know the the punishments shouldn't be dictated by the consequences such as horses on the floor. They should be judged as a as a as an act rather than the consequences. Um, and look, Nace. Um, it wasn't the worst case you'd ever see. I, I thought it was the right decision to reverse it. Um, interesting, but not unexpected that the stewards reversed the result but gave Paul Towner the caution yeah, um, sure. you know they and I know what happened is they take the view and I've spoken to Irish stewards about this before and I say well losing the race was punishment enough but that's not the, the right mindset to approach these things either um, you know and I, Sarah Lynham actually tweeted to, to remind everyone about it there was a case of Nace involving Paul Towner and again last year a horse called Braun which was a, a horrific case really and there was no action taken you know so again it Consistency, let's consistency. We, we're not going to get consistency with, you know, ever changing panels of, of, of shorts. It's just it, it's frustrating. Far, far more pressing issue than the whip. Um, so it's, it's just going to keep coming up. The, the, the yeah. punishments or non-punishments um, enable jockeys to, to ride like this. I won't go on about it. I understand it's tedious to keep hearing the same arguments again and again. But look, until something changes, we're just this is just going to keep coming up, unfortunately. Um, yeah. So you, you'd, be, you'd be far happier if the, the BHA and IHRB really went after that and got it sorted out. Very simple solution, lads. Treble punishments change the game overnight, but... There you go. Um, in, in 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 its place in the UK, we have this absolute whip debacle panning out in front of our eyes instead. Yeah, um, Mac, thank you very much. As a listener out there, you tweeted in about the Paddy Brennan ride and the six days for that incident at Doncaster. So thank you, as always, for your tweets and your contributions. Hopefully, we have covered that for you. Shall we move on to weekend yeah. review? Talk about some happier strands here we've got plenty of top class performances to dissect specifically obviously from Cheltenham and we are going to start with the rearranged Clarence House Chase bigger field editor Dajit wins it from the front beating Energumine and Edward Stone in second editor Dajit now five to one from 25 for the champion chase off the back of that win Energumine five to two from eight to eleven as he was a very short price favorite before that he's out a fair bit and Edward Stone is now your seven to four favorite following on from the weekend um loads to dissect I thought here TC obviously terrific for editor Dajit Edward Stone, I thought, was ridden with incredible confidence. What were your takeaways from the race? I didn't know what to make of it, really. Um, I think you can make a case for all three, you know, uh, winning at Cheltenham. And when that's the case, do you walk away from the form and look elsewhere? But there isn't a lot elsewhere. I mean, I like Blue Lord, but is he even going to go for the race? Um, but yeah, I mean, if you look at the race, I think Edward Stone, you know, most people will take Edward Stone out of that, given the like you said, the confidence he was he was ridden, you know, he was maybe ridden to beat, you know, his market rival rather than the one in front. So there might have been an of, of the winner stealing it. But then again, Edwardstone got there, got in front, I, I traded at 101 for, for serious money all the way down as well. I think it was five grand alone done at 101. And when you look back at the race, you do think, you know, someone was a bit kind of like uh, trigger happy there because he was never a 101 chance in, in hindsight in the heat of punding battle you you do get those kind of like anomalies but yeah I, I thought I thought I mean it's it's interesting I mean obviously I mean 
Whoever added a gate off mark 153 two starts ago has got a bad beat story for the ages if that goes on and wins the champion chase three starts <laughs> later after winning the Desert Orchid by Don't mention the war. <laughs> poor old Dan. Poor, poor Dan Barber. Yeah. <laughs> added a gate off 153. Season win, a season win to Clarence House and mm. the Desert Orchid by, by a street. Um, and then, then Naps said, uh, then uh, Naps Edward Stone trades at one hundred and one. <laughs> I mean, that that guy can get anything beat. <laughs> he can get Labour beaten at the next election. <laughs> you know, he's got a Tory shit show after one after another. Um, yeah, I mean, what do you make of all this orange and white fences nonsense for an Ergamine? <laughs> I, I, I. If you look at Ergan Ergamine early on in the race, in, fr- in fact, everywhere up to two out. He was jumping so well. And even the commentator mentioned it. He was jumping so well earlier on. He was jumping jumping into the back of horses in front of him. I mean, the old kind of orange-white fence and I didn't, uh, wasn't hampering him there. But like I said, when Willie came out after that, I, I must have, I mean, all this orange and white fences stuff has, has totally passed me by. But what's going on? Obviously, that's a really underwhelming performance and people going back and, you know, rewriting his, his past form. And I mean, that might be a bit convenient. He clearly ran below par, but... What do we make of this orange-white fences nonsense? Or is it nonsense? Kev? It's nonsense. Of course it's nonsense. Um, yeah, it wouldn't be for me now. wouldn't be for me. I was surprised you went down that road. But anyway, look, loads to digest here. Um, a fascinating race. It really was. Um, fair play to, to Niall, the hooligan hooligan, as I call him. Um, gave, gave editor the key to great ride. But that's not to say he was flattered. Um, I think you look at the finishing speed, etc. like it's around 98%. I, I think Niall ha, has just rolled a really efficient race here. Um, the other two have probably sat a little bit further than I deal off him. Um, but Editor De Geet, tell you what, he put in some round of jumping. Like, Jesus. Incredible. Incredible. Watch, watch, watch it back. Like, you, you get people, you know, watch, watch it back. Jesus. Quick, efficient, like just no interruption of rhythm at any stage, like getting away from his fences so fast. Like, well, he, he's a very good horse, this lad. Look, for whatever reason, he's taken off a bit this season, clearly. Um, and look, he, he's well worth his place at the, the top table now with the two-mile chasers. Um, now, they won't be letting him off next time. <laughs> you can be sure of that. Um, they'll be looking to sit closer to him. But he, as two-mile chasers go, he, he's really good. He's, he's, he does everything you want them to do in that job. And you give him full credit for this. But... Um, Edward Stone should have won by a couple of lengths and he's going to win the champion chase. Um, I thought this was a giant run, a giant run. The only slight concern I have is that he had, he, this was such a big effort. Um, I'm hoping six weeks is enough. Um, but listening to Alan talk about the type of horse he is and knowing the campaign he had last year, you know, the, the vigorous campaign he had, he should be fine. But this was huge. Like really, in the context of what Alan King says, and you know, I've no reason not to believe it that he's a horse that he loves to keep running because he just he gets a bit fresh, etc. And he, he thrives on racing, and he he didn't get to halfway at Kempton on his previous run, so like he hasn't had a proper run since the first week in December, and they dropped him in. I'd say kind of anticipating he was going to be a bit fresh, and he was. Um, like he took a stronger hold than he normally does. He his jumping normally would be characterized by like lovely neatness efficiency like he had a whack at a few now just very long which isn't really his way and i think that's a product of freshness and look i don't want to knock tom cannon too much because you could see what he was doing he was riding um to beat an argument 
you know, he had him in his sights all the way. Yeah. But unfortunately, coming down the two out, it was clear that there was a bigger danger, um, a number of lengths in front of an ergamy. Uh, and what Edward Stone did there from before the second last to halfway up the run in was just monstrous to me. The ground he made up, the way he made it up. And he, and it, he just paid for it very late in the day. And got out battled by now. Out battle isn't fair. It wasn't for lack of wanting to battle. He just used all his diesel to get there, um, yeah. and went down by a head. Massive run. So impressed by it. Really, really good run. Like he'll benefit from it. He'll knock some of that freshness out of him. Um, huge run. Couldn't have been more impressed by it. Um, in Ergamin. Will they ride him a bit differently the next day? Maybe so. I didn't see anything in his jumping that I haven't seen before. Um, he's low. He's aggressive. You know, we highlighted it beforehand. He has this thing where he jumps to the right. He did it again. Um, look, I think he'll always be a little bit better going the other way around. Um, but I suspect when they complete the post-mortem on the performance, they'll say, right, we just need to be more forward with him. And I'm sure they will. But can he beat Edward Stone? I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Based on this evidence, I know he made a Hames at last and would have finished closer other than that. But Edward Stone was a many lengths better horse than him on this day. And and will it be will it be very different in six weeks? I don't know. Um, yeah. I, you look at you so, look at the market for this race and Edward Stone for me all day. So a star performance, Kevin Blake, Master Kevin Blake is very impressed with Edward Stone, uh, as was I, and yeah, concur concur with those thoughts. Um, a few mares performances to dissect from the weekend. We'll kick off TC with Epiton up in the Yorkshire Rose, winning it in a canter. Obviously, she did what she was entitled to do, but great to see her back in the winner's enclosure. And obviously, people jumping on the fact that this must mean that uh, Constitution Hill is just um, a machine, quite literally. I'm not sure I'm taking the form line as literal as that, but um, couldn't help but be pleased for her, I guess. Well, hopefully people aren't taking the form line at face value, otherwise you'll be dropping her £10 because <laughs> it was um, people talking about, oh, she might be rated a bit higher than 150-odd now. I mean, she beat 118-rated horse in second. I mean, she did what she's entitled to do. Now She did give her £6 now, TC. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah so, uh, yeah, she ran to about low 130s. Yeah, against that, I mean, she did look absolutely stunning, didn't she, uh, in, yeah. in victory? But then again, you know... She was beating a relative tree in horse racing terms, in grade one terms. So uh, she should have done it like that. And she did do it like that. And um, no, I don't think we can take much. You know, if, if you're using that to say, oh, Constitution Hill's an even bigger monster than we thought, I think you're uh, you're barking at said tree, uh, barking at wrongly up said tree. <laughs> um, what about Ashrow Diamond winning this um, over in, on Saturday, wasn't it, Ashrow Diamond? Um Kev, what did you make of her? I suppose we can cover her and Echoes and Rain, the other Willie Mullins horse winning the Limestone Lad in one go, really. Good performances, one for the novice, obviously, and one for Open Company. What um, what are your takeaways from those mares' performances? Um, yeah, Ashro Diamond, sure, look, it was it was likable enough, wasn't it? It wasn't, wasn't foot perfect. Um, though people will take it as a as a boost for a Fasa Vega. Um, wasn't really enterprisingly ridden that day, I'd have to say. Um, mm-hmm. but look, was more, more more like it here, more forward ride, and um, and ultimately one would you know, authoritatively, um, would be on on track for the mayor's novice. No reason to suggest that one suit. And yeah, would would look a contender for that. 
Any comments on echoes and rain bolting up in the limestone lad? I mean, for me, I just, my big thing coming away from that was more, oh, what the hell has happened to poor Bob Ollinger? It's yeah, amazing. No, I'm sorry, I forgot, the, I forgot the second half of your question there, sorry. Yeah, look, she's really impressive. They've always taught a huge amount of her. Like, God, I remember starting um, the start of last season, like, geez, the chat was unbelievable with regard to her being a champion hurdle contender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it didn't, like, she wasn't helping herself. Like, geez, she's a free-going lady now. She's getting a bit better. Um, and I just think it's a shame. Um, you know, I had a few people slagging me there over the weekend. Oh, the mayor's hurdles looking like some race in the making. And of course it is. But, you know, this lady is going to, for the second year in succession, get shoehorned into a race that doesn't suit her. Um, I don't think she's a two and a half miler any day of the week. Um, like, gee, she was electric here over two miles. Like, she, she's free and she should be running in a champion hurdle. But she she probably won't. And I tell you, she, she'd, be a very, she'd be a big price in the champion hurdle. Now, granted, but I guarantee you she'd outrun it. She, yeah. She's a very talented lady and she does not want to go two and a half miles. Okay. I should whisper it quietly here, but this Mayor's Hurdle, if they all go there, could be one of the races of the festival. I've just went. <laughs> yeah, it'd, it'd be very good. And, and it's been, in, in fairness, to you, and I had people slagging me and it slightly annoyed me because, uh, like, it's happened before that the Mayor's Hurdle has been a genuinely brilliant race course, and we've all enjoyed it. But the, the point is, like, it, it, that'd be grand if you'd lovely, deep champion hurdle and staying hurdles as well it's it's not the race itself it's the dilution that it leads to you know we need these horses we need the likes of an echoes of rain in the champion hurdle and marie's rock in either i think she should she, be grand in the champion hurdle as some mention of the stairs too but that's the point it's, it's a dilution issue rather than the actual contest itself which you know if you if you put in a two and a half mile open grade one at cheltham it would probably be a smashing race as well but it's not to me it's a good idea uh, just just reading them out here, you've got Marie's Rock, Epiton, Brandy Love, Echoes in Rain, Love Embois, Honeysuckle, Tell Me Something Girl, She Wears It Well, Queen's Brook. Oh, that, oh. Those, those are the that, that, those are the horses in your bed. You can make the point that, you know, Kev would like to see Love Embois in the champion hurdle. Uh, Marie's Rock. And Brandy Love. Brandy Marie's, Love will go out. It's, not, it's not even just the hurdle. Marie's Rock the Would mayor's chase for the stayers hurdle. Yeah. They went down that route. In fact, at the moment, Marie's Rock, even though they, they're not even going going for the race, on the exchange, Marie's Rock is the is the third favourite uh, in the race for the stayers hurdle uh, in the betting. It's like it's it's a mad race on many levels, but. The Mayor's Hurdle and the Mayor's Chase are going to be terrific races at the festival. But as Kevin said, they can be good races in their own right, but it's diluting away from other divisions. Yeah. Um, TC, did you want to jump in there about Bob Ollinger? I mean, what a remarkable fall from grace for this horse. Like, honestly, what if they get him back to anything near his best, I will bow down in front of Henry de Bromhead myself and say you're a you're a master because he just seems he seems to have gone at the game. And it's a weird thing to say about a horse of his ability and his age. It's it's weird, isn't it? I mean, we've been down here in recent years, or likes of you know, Sam Crow not living up to it. And yeah, but when Bob Ollinger won at, you know, Cheltenham a couple of starts ago, a couple of seasons ago. He just looked an absolute kind of like monster, didn't he? Uh, yeah. Over hurdles, and he just hasn't gone on. And they must be—I don't know whether retirement's in the option or where do you go with that horse now? I mean, you fences, no hurdles, no staying two miles, three miles. Yeah, what do you do with him? It's if, just he falls into go, a complete unknown. You're happy yeah, to take bit. him down the handicap path or at a lower level, fine. But I don't know what you've got to do. 
Yeah, look, look, I think he's he's probably a two and a half miler that isn't quite top class. I'd say, you know, look, it's not the expectations surrounding him aren't his fault. And you, you can look back at, at some of that form where he was looking so impressive and 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 get get your get your little toothpick out and start picking at it. Um, you know, he's, he's when he won at Cheltenham, he was he was beating two staying, you know, future staying chasers in the making, etc., making them look slow. But guess what, lads, they were slow. <laughs> um, and you know, I, I think he's two and a half miles is probably his trip. Um, and you know, I know God, maybe we should start the campaign for the two and a half mile grade one hurdle at, Ch- at the Cheltenham Festival. Oh. What do you think? It was Sue Bob Ollinger, lovely lads. Um, lovely. but yeah, I, I think I think he's a two and a half miler myself. Um and I just suspect he's going to be kind of a 155 or if they, if they if things drop right for him, he might get back up to 160. But I'd say that could be the height of him. You suspect that there's a little physical issue underlying there that might, he might be feeling and holding him back a little bit. But, you know, yeah. trip and test wise, I think two and a half over hurdles is probably what he wants. OK, we'll move on to the Stairs Hurdle division because this uh, last seven days for the Stairs Hurdle and we had a bit of a sort of shake up for the market, really. Predominantly, Tiupu is now the 11-4 favourite from 7-1, to one, having won the Galmore on Thursday on Thiesty's Day, proving, I suppose, that he does stay the trip. This could really be his discipline to flourish now. Not sure the form will stand, uh, you know, really looks all that much, really, for the, for the grade TC, but he's jumped to the top of the market for the Stairs. Yeah, I think you. I think you had to really. I mean, he was. He's arguably the warm horse in there on the Hatton's Grace performance, isn't he? Uh, and obviously, I'm not sure what that Galmoy win at heavy odds on told us. I mean, no. I know it's three miles, and visually he he stormed home, but it looked a very uh, slowly run race, didn't it? So whether or not you know he's going to get a much stiffer test of stamina over three miles, I don't think you conclusively stay. He he uh, say he, he he's a grade one three mile stay at the moment because like I said he's done it in a much lesser grade and we all know staying is relative but yeah I on, on pure form alone alone and obviously the three miles is a box half ticked after that performance so yeah I mean he's freeze and a little bit bigger on the exchange and when you look at the race and the doubts about flooring porter classical dream blazing car blazing cars on the drift again uh, on the exchange Jesus, what a saga! But um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I've got, I've got no, I've got no argument with that horse training about three to one after that, even though he still has his stamina to prove at the top level. Okay, I, um, I, I would take issue with his price. I thought it was a a, a heavy overreaction personally. Um, I know, look, the stairs hurdle. It has looked a bit windy and people are looking for something and a lot of people don't want to believe home by the bee, which I understand, but um I, I, God, I don't think the look the Hattons the Hattons Grace form um was very good, albeit steadily run race, etc. Um but Jesus beat the Somerville boy and and, yeah. and my my design, you know, rated one, two, three um in a in a steadily run race on testing ground. Um nice to see it if you're a fan of him with a view to his potential stamina for the stairs hurdle, but you know, something that, that maybe doesn't get mentioned enough with this horse, like, you know, Gordon and has had the view and his form would back it up. Like that, that like test, testing ground is a big, big help to this fella. You know, and his forms, like his two runs this year have been on heavy ground. And, you know, we don't want to make assumptions with Cheltenham, but generally over the years, you know, good to soft is a reasonable bet for, for, for what you get. And, you know, with, a more thorough examination of his stamina and 
even more worryingly, a, a, a potential, potentially much better ground. Gee, I wouldn't be of all the fabs at Cheltenham now. I wouldn't be, and we have some windy ones. Um, I wouldn't be yeah. buying into Tiapu just yet. And I love the horse. Geez, I put him up against Honeysuckle in the champion hurdle last year. But what? I me less than there a bit. Any reason for that? Because he, he, I think he was even last in that, wasn't he? Yeah, it was, I, I think it was the ground. They blamed the ground. Ground, um, ground issue. Yeah, and same well, again at Punchestown. And then the South. other horse that jumped into the sort of chat, I suppose, for the stairs hurdle is, of course, Gold Tweet after winning the Cleve hurdle at 14s. Relatively unfancied off the back of those last couple of French runs coming into this race. But they didn't come over for the holiday. And, uh, I mean, terrific scenes, I thought, at Cheltenham post-race with them and really added some spice to proceedings for me for the day. Uh, he would have to be supplemented for the stairs hurdle, so it does come with that caveat. But the way in which he won, I mean, geez, Louise, you, you'd, you'd want him to be supplemented, don't we, TC? Yeah. Sickening. Sickening performance. <laughs> I wasn't cheering. Lashel Drasher, bless all, him. All the horses you thought about and knew about, and that one comes up, I think it was rated 136 by the, you know, English handicapper, beaten on his last five starts, albeit a six-year-old, grade one place. But if you take that at face value, I mean... <laughs> It's a massive performance, wasn't it? I mean, it's what it was massive. It improves at least a stone on on what the British handicapper had him. Ah. But is he gonna is he gonna kick on from there? I mean, like, like I like, I don't know. And but I think connections are I'm an anarian because it does cost a fair bit, doesn't it? To, to what is the price of a supplement for this? Someone said fifteen grand. Would that be right? That that that'd be yeah, but yeah, one percent of the or sorry, ten percent. Yeah, so but, uh, yeah, that, that sound about right. But yeah, I mean, it got me wondering. I mean, obviously, you know, if the French when I was kind of like really getting into racing in a big way when, you know, the likes of Napsala were coming over and winning King George's. And, you know, if the French, I don't know why the French don't bring over more of their, more of their chases. Is it because they can stay at home and win about 10 times the prize money? Probably. Yeah. Probably. If the horse that's been beaten on his last five starts comes over and does that, um, albeit to a weak staying division. And what kind of ammo have they got at home? But yeah, as regards that, I think he's all in. I think he's around about a 14 chance on the exchange. It's a vice versa situation to the flat, Kev, isn't it? Where we go over there and rob all their graded races, mm. grade one, group races, I should say, on the flat. And then uh, the French come over here in the jumps division and take one of our scalps. Yeah, they've had an absolute nightmare, haven't they? Um, I'm just looking here. Yeah, it's just, just under 15 grand to, to supplement. Um, I think they've had a nightmare here, haven't they? You know, if it was if it should have been over for a pretense qualifier, <laughs> imagine, <laughs> the, imagine the damage you would have done if they, if they snuck in and got, got snuck into the first forward air and rocked up at the final in March off uh, of one thirty something. But uh, this was really impressive. You know, far more relevant piece of form than the Galmoy. You know, Dashiell Drasher and Paisley didn't see the best of Paisley, perhaps, but Dashiell Drasher, we 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 know what he can do. Um, mind, did did he quite get home? I, I I'd raise that concern there. But this horse was cantering, was given a <laughs> um, uh, a ride full of confidence by but about Johnny Charon, and uh, absolutely fantastic to watch. And they got a real kick out of it. So, like you say, it, it brightened up. what was already a very good day in fairness to Cheltenham. But yeah, you'd love to see them supplement. Why not? If they, clearly, if they haven't got the money, I mean, they could always sell it to somebody who has. Imagine that. Yeah. That would have a price tag on it, wouldn't it? Wouldn't, wouldn't be a million to one, then it happens, I'd say now. But yeah, uh, yeah really impressive. Of course, with a, with a, with a, a, a 
I dare say, kind of a, an unappealing profile, seemed to have had, you know, loads of racing in France. No, albeit over mostly shorter trips, but um, this re- seemed to represent a fair jump out of the ground. And um, like you say, it might encourage some of the French to pop over. That when I was first getting into racing, like it was a very common thing. Like you think back to horses like Gerard uh, de Cachet and that mm-hmm. they used to bring some great flavor over there. Jacques Racou hailing the taxi. Yeah. Um, that absolutely great sport. Um, all the way through the season, not just on the big days and not just on the, at the festival and that as well. Um, back when uh, we had a much fuller and more exciting uh, full season. But yeah, that would be great. You'd, you'd be all for it. Um, and well done to them for being game enough to come over and having a crack um, of, you know, 136. Plenty of people would have thought they were nuts and uh, they got the money. So fair play to them. Yeah, fair play. And for all of us who missed him, I mean, I don't feel bad about missing him or sort of overlooking him anyway, because I was stood afterwards with Anthony Bromley, the bloodstock agent, who'd like have his head massively in the French form book, buys a load of horses from there, lots of good horses. And even he was like scratching his head thinking, I don't know where that came from. So that made me feel a bit better about that. Um Little mention for the Betfair hurdle because we saw Hacker de Plas win at Cheltenham, beating Mai Tai. Hacker de Plas now 8 to 1 from 14s for the Betfair hurdle. Um, and Mai Tai finished second at Cheltenham behind Hacker de Plas in that last race on Saturday is 12s from 16s. Obviously, the first two home for, at Cheltenham and Betfair hurdle in 12 days' time. We'll be looking forward to dissecting that on Racing Only Better. Um, always a fascinating contest, isn't it, TC? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I might have a look at that later. Um, nice. But the Nichols has got um, he's got two or three in there, hasn't he? I mean, that I think that was a strong handicap on Saturday. Um, he only won it by a net, but you know, uh, but I think he beat the right horses there in my time, Picar, and I think he made the point. Even though he gets a five pound penalty, the claim is uh, the five pound claim is going to stay on him. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you, I'd be disappointed that there wasn't a more better handicapped horse in there to beat him. But yeah, he's. He's definitely going the right way. And like I said, I think that's strong form on, on the way. Yeah, week. it'll be a fascinating renewal, like I say. Uh, let's move on to Footsteps in the Festival, because, of course, you'll be thinking, if you're listening, how come they haven't mentioned the Cotswold Chase yet and a hoist in your, but we're doing that in week four, is it, of Footsteps of the Festival, because we are now dissecting the antipost markets on day four of the festival. So we've got the Gold Cup, the Triumph and the Albert Bartlett to look at at an antipost angle. And we will kick off with the Gold Cup and tie in reaction to the Cotswold Chase, because, of course, um, Galloping de Champs is your favourite, but Ahoy Senor is now 10 to 1 from 50s for the Gold Cup after winning the Cotswold Chase. Noble Yates is te- was, well, 10s from 7s and now apparently is back to 10 to 1. And Protectorat drifted out to 25s from 8s off the back of Saturday's run and is now back into 20s. So pretty um, notable market movers going on here, TC. Dissect it for me, not only the Cotswold Chase, but the anti-post Gold Cup market. Yeah, it's... um. Obviously, you, you think people looking at that, you think Willie Mullins would have been very happy, wouldn't he, um, with Gallup and Deschamps, uh, similar with, with Paul Nichols, Brave Man's Game. Um, you know, it's like the champion chase. I mean, you can make a case for all you know all four of those to varying degrees. I mean, um, the winner had a obviously very patchy profile. I couldn't have had him before beforehand. He'd probably be the last one on the back to go into it. Um, sounds Russian ran a very good race, improving, but was getting weight there. 
Uh, most people took the view that Noble Yates uh, ran the best Gold Cup trial and he was second favourite for the race beforehand and he stayed there and you can see the reason why. Obviously, the cheap pieces were on for the first time we were on the National and the longer trip in the Gold Cup is going to suit him. Um, so, you know, maybe headgear, longer trip, we'll, we'll, we'll see him, you know, right for favouritism there. And bizarrely, Dan Skelton's come out and held his hands up and said he was... Apparently, Protector Act was only 80 plus percent fit, you know, having in having you know been very bullish beforehand. That, that wasn't the case. I mean, he did make the point that he hasn't taken him for a, an away day race course gallop, but you know, that was pretty underwhelming, isn't it? And, um, you know, he although he was coming back for a bit at the end, I mean, I can see why, you know, I can see why, you know, the sports book pushed him out. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, if you look at outside of Noble Yates. All the others are around about 21 plus on the exchange. So if you're looking in gold cup terms, you know, the front two of the market are, I mean, we'll be very happy there. But looking ahead to the gold cup, I mean, they've still, both of them have still got their stamina to prove. Um, and I just look at that gold cup betting. Um, and I just, I keep on being drawn to Aplutar. I mean, he's eight to one with Sportsbook. He's 11.5 on the exchange. Um, if you want to have the safety net, he's the firm that's betting. Uh, no one I know bet he's five to one there he's just Aplutar's form is on another level uh, to all of these uh, you look at his you look at his Cheltenham records two wins a third and a second he started favourite in three of those the other the other time he was 132nd favourite if you forgive him that one run and obviously he missed the Savills over Christmas with a, with a bang joint um, you know, he should be favourite against that because if he if he if he runs to that level of form that he showed when winning that race last year, then it will take a monumental effort. Galloping to Jean will have to be as good as people think he is and stay and better to beat him. It's just a matter of you know, obviously Henry de Bromhead's stable is really kind of like still in the double drums. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you ask me, the most likely winner form wise, it'd definitely be Aplutar, and I think the price is probably adequate compensation for obviously the troubles he's had since the you know, disappointment in the Betfair chase and over Christmas. So a Plutard for TC. I mean, my thinking as I drove home from Saturday, Kev, I was thinking about the Gold Cup in general. And I don't think many, I don't think any connections really would have walked away from Cheltenham from that race. The Cots will chase that disappointed. If you're obviously connected to a Hoysenor, you're obviously delighted. Sounds Russian has run a belter. If you're Noble Yates's connection, he got a lovely um, sort of prep run for the Gold Cup. And if your Protectorat's connections and you genuinely believe he wasn't, um, you know, he was, he was 85% fit and they need to get him that, they need to sort of screw the screws a little tighter, should we say, for March, then you come away thinking that was a perfectly okay run. I think people will be looking at that race and making those excuses for said horses and all of them will go to Cheltenham if they get there thinking that they can improve on what they've shown on Saturday. Yeah, to an extent. Now, I, I just thought it was a, it's not a race I'd like to hang my hat on now. I, I didn't like the look of it. I didn't like the way it panned out and the, the way the finish looked. Uh, it just seemed that it, I wouldn't be surprised if the fullness of time shows that it's not a terribly reliable piece of form. Um, a height in your was good. Um, like you remember, I fancied him for the King George and I actually thought he ran a storm and race. I, I was, I was getting my acceptance speech ready, turning in uh, for the King George. I thought he'd actually got into a lovely jumping rhythm and um, was going to run a big race. And then he didn't. 
and connections came out and said that they that he missed a, a good bit of work due to frozen gallops, etc., and that he just needed the run. And he was much more like it here. I, I still don't like the way they ride him, to be brutally honest. Um, they set out to make the running, which is what I think I, I really think he wants to do. Um, but as soon as Frodon jumped up his inner, they, they kind of let him off and followed, and then ended up getting a bit negative. You know, coming down the hill and getting shuffled back a bit, and look, he overcame it all and he won. And I'm sure everyone was delighted, but um, I, I still don't know if we've seen the very, very best of him. Um, I, I think there's more to come. Like as I've said before, like I don't think he has a great brain for for working out his jumping when he has to think about it. Whereas I think if when he's bucked forward and ridden positively, he finds it a little bit easier to get it right. Um, because he, you know, we saw the resurfacing of his jumping right here, which has been a theme with him. You know, we didn't see it at Kempton going the other way around. Um, but look, he was very good. He, he made a little mistake at the last and could have easily got beat, but he battled back and was well on top of the line. Loads of talent. Um, it'd be fascinating to see how they how they ride him in a gold cup. Um, I'd love to see them make the running, but I don't know if they will. They seem to be fairly set in their ways with him. Um, like Noble Yates. And now, Vanessa, I'm a devil for a slow horse in a gold cup. You know, uh, I was a chairman of the Don Poli fan club. I put up Santini for the race one time. What was that? I, I, you're what? Uh, I'm, a, I'm a devil for, for a slow, oh, for a slow oh, boat, right. for an old boat. A slow boat. But I don't know about this fella. Um, I, I wouldn't like the, the extent to which he got outpaced um, coming down the hill. Um, look, he's powered home. His jumping was, was pretty neat and efficient. Like he was getting kind of more and more left as the race went on, but I wouldn't mind that too much. Um, but geez, he, he he did get quite outpaced now. And if you if you're doing, he's going to make against, life hard for himself in the Gold Cup doing that yeah. again. That's the thing. Like, is if, it, if, it, you know. like you're, you're you're dealing with second stringers here in the main. Not to be disrespectful, you know, you're up against a higher a higher class of horse, bigger field. And you're just going to get punished more heavily if you do that in yeah. a Gold Cup. So that's a concern with him. Look, he clearly is a, a very good horse and it looks better this season than even he did last season, building up to his Grand National win. But a horse that stays as well as him, he's just going to need to be as, as sharp as he possibly can be. And now maybe they'll put the cheek pieces back on that he that he wore in the Grand National. Maybe they're keeping that ace up their sleeve. And that would seem to be, a, that would appeal as being likely to be a help to him. So, you know, you'll retain that um, thought in your head, but coming away, the type of price he is, he wouldn't be appealing to me for the Gold Cup at the minute. Um, yeah. And bigger picture, I'd be with TC, a Plutard, you, you keep coming back to him. But stable form, coming in off a really disappointing run, you know, you have to put all your faith in Henry to deliver him there, rocking and rolling in tip-top form. And that's a dangerous place to be for a race like the Gold Cup. Um, so that that's the concern I have there. And Statler, I've mentioned, talked him up a lot after after his run at Tremor. Thought that was a huge effort. Um, just going down to Manila Indo, conceding him eight pounds. Um, I, I assume he's going to run this weekend and, you know, gallop in the shop, you know, <laughs> represents a fairly formidable opponent. But um, I do like Sattler and even I, I just if they do clash, like I don't think defeat at the at the hoofs of gallop in the shop would mean he couldn't win a Gold Cup. Because I think we know that the test the Gold Cup presents was suit Sattler really, really well. Whereas even if Gallop and the Champ um, wins at his ease this weekend, 
there probably will be still a, a small little smidge of a concern about the stamina test that the Gold Cup is for him. So, yeah, read the, the, it's, it's all poised very interestingly at the minute. Uh, and this weekend is going to be a really important piece in the puzzle uh, as we look ahead to it. Absolutely. And we will be doing that on Thursday and Friday with special editions of Racing Only Better to look ahead to the Dublin Racing Festival and give those two days ample time and thought. Um, So do stay tuned for that. But let's move on to the triumph hurdle then. Team TC, Lossy Mouth is the 11 to 8 favourite. Blood Destiny next best at 7 to 2. And Comfort Zone has come in from 14s to 10s to sit third in the market off the back of winning the triumph hurdle trial on Saturday for Team Joseph O'Brien, JP McManus, and Co. Um, actually, Kev, well, TC, what are you, what are you, well, no, Kev, I'll come to you first just so we can get a line on Comfort Zone off the back of the weekend. Um, he's sort of a bit similar to Chep, so I thought like he, he only does enough, but he's always doing enough, if you get what I mean. Yeah, look, he got a big fright at Chep, so um, got to the front too soon, obviously, and nearly paid for it. And look, John Joe, fair play to him. He, he learned, executed a very different ride here and panned out lovely. You know, only saw open country really at the last and um, thought he might zip by script rider. He didn't, but he was on top of him at the line and a good performance. I don't know if it was much beyond what he did at Chepstow. I know speed figures would suggest it was, it was something similar. I know people will point at Dixon Cove and say, well, he's really extended over her, but um, unfortunately she, she picked up a career-ending tendon injury and we found out this morning. So, you know, I don't think I don't think that was her, unfortunately. Um, so commiserations to connections there. Hopefully she's a good broodmare for them. But look, you'll be happy with him. Um, we'll see what the handicapper does because ultimately, look, he's won two grade twos, but he's still a low 130s horse. I think it's a reflection that the that the GB juveniles aren't up to a whole lot. And look, he, he could just as easily be in the boodles as the as the triumph, I'd say. Um, so would I be recommending that you'd want to be getting kind of non-runner, no bet, etc. If if you're going, if you're looking for the triumph in my mind. Um, but look, as everyone knows, um, JP and Frank, um, you know, make make the decisions about their own horses. So what I've said there is just purely my own view and speculation. Um, so thoughts really, on the triumph then itself? What do you fancy? Andy yeah, Beck? look, look, last year match looked very good. Hasn't run a time yet, um, but you'd like to see one having done when they're that sort of price. Look, I was particularly impressed with her fairy house. She got the old M&M ride around the outside, around the outside, mm-hmm. and um, did very well to overcome that and was better again last time under, under a more efficient ride. Um, we'll see her this weekend. Uh, don't know if there's anything there to beat her as such, but I, I want to learn more about her. I'd love to see her run a bigger number time-wise just to show that she can do it in a, in a high-pressure environment. I'm not reason to think that she can't, but I just I would like to see it. When they're that short, you want as many boxes ticked as you can get. And um, I, I just want to see her do a bit more on that front, ideally. Um, but I wouldn't be getting wildly excited about opposing her at the minute, if I'm brutally honest. I think, funny enough, I think the race could chop a bit. I think an awful lot of um, potential contenders for the triumph will be thinking, mm, I might be better off in the boodles. And just as, a, as an observation, having been keeping an eye on it in terms of the ratings being given to the British trained um, juveniles, they'd never admit it, I'd say, but I, I think the British handicapping team are going about dropping the levels a bit with the juveniles. Um, like Dixon Cole was an interesting one. She just got touched off by comfort zone at Chepstow and they dropped her from 130 to 125 
um, prior to her run the other day. I've been pleasantly surprised with a few ratings we've seen for Irish juveniles. Uh, I think uh, you could you could be lured into a false sense of uh, joy when you see some of the ratings, but I think when you view it in the overall picture of what they're doing with the British juveniles, I don't think they're they're as well handicapped as you might think, judged on previous seasons. I have a feeling at the levels when we look when we when we're able to step back and look at the weights for the boodles, I think we're going to see that the levels have been dropped a couple of notches um, this season, okay. which is interesting. But yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this race chops up and um, triumph. And uh, Woody Mullins has the first four in the betting. <laughs> to be brutally honest, do you, do, you, do you fear that might be the state of affairs to TC? Yeah, do you remember? I think Gordon Elliott was making noises about uh, splitting up Pied Piper and Phil Wall last season, didn't he? They both ran in the triumph in the end, but I think they would have been running in the boodles off low 140s, wouldn't they, if he'd have gone down that route? But yeah, it would make sense, wouldn't it? I mean, but you know, you would, you know, Lossy Mouth isn't insurmountable. I, I like the I like the horse who stable mate who finished second to, to her, Gala Maso, another filly. Uh, Kenny Alexander. So it'd be interesting to see if that runs this weekend, how that one does. And yeah, you look at it and yeah, there's not a lot of depth to the race. And as Kev said, if a lot of them go down the handicap route, then, you know, it, you know, it could have a real kind of like uh, lack of depth to it. Now, you've got to remember that, you know, we've had a recent examples of the Triumph Hurdle winner not even being seen out. I mean, if you go back a, a you know a decade or so, you've got Soldatino and Zarkanda. And I was looking back and Penton Hills didn't run until winning at Plumpton on February the 25th when he won the Triumph Hurdle in, in 2019. So, you know, there could be some, some you know, horses coming out of nowhere. And there's been a few nibbles around for Willie Mullins's surprise, surprise, gust of wind, one at Autoy in September. So I imagine that might be running, you know, this this weekend. Um, will the French be tempted over with St. Donat's? Um, that one up grade one by 11 lengths all tie last time. So if that came over, you know, that would be very, very interesting. But then again, you look at the horse he beat the time before, um, McTeague. Um, he beat that. Mm. Uh, he got beaten by, by a neck by McTeague. And that came out and was a 33 to one shot and finished last in in um, Lossy Mouse race on, on Boxing Day. So whether or not he's as good as he looked last time, we shall see. But yeah, I, I can't see much in the race, but Gala Masso does interest me because I thought she shaped really well behind Lossy Mouth and um, maybe um, maybe that's the way to play it with, with, the, with the seven pound uh, sex allowance along with Lossy Mouth. But it's not a really, you know, it's not a real big race for me to, to, to get okay. stuck into because yeah. like I said, I don't think we might not have seen two or three leading contenders just yet. Okay. And just very well, quickly, Vanessa, we, we better yeah. mention him because he's second five, but uh, I mentioned last year, it hasn't run a time. Blood Destiny ran a time last time. Um, I, it was, I know it was perceived as kind of that he, that he got a freebie and got let loose, etc. but the, the time was actually quite strong. Okay. Um, so he's he's definitely worth considering. Okay, noted. Um, let's move on to the Albert Bartlett. I'm a little bit worried that Barry Orr, our boss and producer of this show, has fainted or something because he hasn't yet given us a telling off for uh, driveling on too much. So we'll just keep going in this same vein. But I do, hope, I do hope you're still with us, Barry, over there. Someone, uh, someone, uh, someone um, tweeted in just saying, yes. don't, don't, get to, don't get anal about the time. We don't mind going 10 minutes or so over the hour. So... Right, <laughs> he's more laissez-faire in 2023. I don't know what's happened to him. 
maybe he's like found meditation or something. Um, let's move on to the Albert Bartlett. Um, Embassy Gardens at the top of the market, five to one. This is a nice open looking novice grade one. Loads in here. Hidden Valley Lake is next best, 11 to two. Corbett's Cross now, obviously, with Emmett Mullins, eight to one. Um, we've had a few market moves as well. We've all been caught moved over the weekend to 10 to one from 12s after the win of Rock My Way. Um, this is a very open affair, TC, and you could take a swing at loads in here. Yeah, I just I just had a look on the exchange now at time of recording. It's seven to one plus, uh, which is no surprise because we've still got 77 entries in this race. And obviously a lot of them are in the Ballymore as well. There's only three, three furlongs difference. So it'll be a last minute decision what goes here. Um, Hidden Valley Lakes towards the top of the market. All the clock watchers were were purring, as they say, uh, on the back of her or oh, his um, court win in a very good time uh, last time. And, uh, you know, that was that was quite promising. The, the, the buzz horse in the market uh, in recent days or recent weeks is Corbett's Cross, who's uh, been picked up from um, picked up and sent to Emmett Mullins. And the way that one uh, handicap of 130 last time, uh, I think he went up to 143 after that, suggests he's on a big upward trajectory. Um, that was three miles in the handicap last time. Um, you know, and, and he's into about 12 on the exchange. So Corbett's cross, you know, having his first start for Emmett Mullins next time, you know, if, if that goes down the Albert Bartlett route, that would be very interesting. But it's a, it's a bit of a minefield, isn't it? Um, I'd probably, at the top of the market, I'd side with um, Hidden Valley Lake over Emmercy Gardens. But um, I'd, I'd wait to the field to shrink before I get involved. Uh, that's fair enough. I think we'll allow you that. What about you, Kevin? Any strong views at this stage? No, look, I think this weekend's going to be informative. We're going to see a few up towards the head of the betting here. Hidden Valley Lakes likes to run. And uh, like TC, I was impressed with him the last time we saw him at, um, at Cork. Uh, you know, you'd love the way he jumped, you know, lovely, low and efficient. And the Noel waste in him and was very strong up the run in. Um, we'll have a we'll have a bit on his plate now this weekend because that, that looks quite a decent race. Um, good land is heading up the market, and he's as a type, he's probably more of a two and a half miler than a stair. Um, so you know, it, it'll be a tough test. He he, he could he could he could get beat this weekend this weekend and still win in Albert Bartlett, you know, you know that sort of way. So look, I think there'll be some clues. I wouldn't be surprised. It'd be worth watching at the Tanya and Lucy um, novice hurdle very closely because it's one of those that. You could see one finishing off very well there for fourth that all of a sudden will, will be a springer in the Albert Bartlett market, you know, because this race, it's just, look, it doesn't do it for me any year. I don't think it should exist. You know, it's a kind of a consolation. It's kind of a consolation race for one that isn't isn't fast enough or good enough for the two and a half miler. But, a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I, keep, I keep a very close eye on that race at Leopardstown. I suspect that will end up shaping um, the, the, the Albert Bartlett market. We should mention we, were, we started recording this program at midday, uh, and Princess Zoe is making her hurdling debut at one fifty. Punches down. So if she goes and wins that impressively, given the flat credentials, will we be looking at another uh, a new Albert Bartlett favourite if she goes and dances up uh, there today? So obviously we Impress. don't have the time, but yeah bear that in mind right let's move on to section four of the show just a few news and well news topics to cover one of which caught a few people's eye in the week was that martin lewis did a twitter poll um got a hundreds of thousands of 
followers, Martin Lewis, and his Twitter poll for the day was, should adverts for gambling be banned? Now, uh, over 105,000 people voted. So it's a good enough catchment of people. And the options were, I gamble, and yes, they should be banned. That got 24% of the votes. I gamble, and no, they shouldn't be banned, got 8%. I, ga- I don't gamble. And yes, they should be banned. Got 58.7% of the votes to win the poll. And I don't gamble. No, they shouldn't be banned. Got 9.3% of the votes. I think, um, one of, well, one of the more surprising angles in here, TC, is more the numbers for the people who do gamble and voted that they sh- that adverts for gambling should be banned. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Martin Lewis's audience, Twitter audience, would be, would be punters, so... If they say I gamble, do they do they mean they have a scratch card, they have a lottery, do they have the odd two quid on the Grand National? I mean there's a bit of bingo. His <laughs> kind of, yeah, his kind of audience would class the odd quid here and there as gambling, you know, very, very frequently. But it makes pretty depressing reading wherever you look at it. As you said, the sample is not insignificant. It's 106,000 people. Um, so it's you you'd be You'd be loath to dismiss it as just a Martin Lewis's, you know, preaching to the converted there or, or asking the question when he knows for well what the answer is going to be, given these, like I said, given his audience. But yeah, quite depressing figures. Yeah, I think that that's fair to say. I was I was surprised when we got sent that screenshot anyway. Also, stick with UTC for everybody's turf campaign because the results yeah. for this <laughs> came out. Great British Racing's campaign to get more people on a race course last year throughout the summer. Um, give us the bare facts and figures. Was it a success or was it a failure, TC? Um, I think it's they've admitted it's a failure, haven't they? Um, they they wanted to get the... Uh, it was a campaign, a £1.6 million campaign by the uh, by Great British Racing, funded in mostly by the Levy Board, £1.35 million. Just trying to up figures in in July, August, September. Now they they their aim was to get um, up to the pre-COVID levels in 2019 of 1.5 million. Even after the campaign, they only got 1.62 million. So you know they said you know obviously it was a failure in that respect. Uh, but they did say uh, they aimed for 12 million pound people. Uh, 12 sorry 12 million people who would consider going racing. Uh, and they said because they got 12.9 million people who are open to the idea of going racing, which is quite bizarre to me anyway, uh, that considered that part of it was a success. So they have two metrics, one failed and one success. So you don't want to beat them up too much because, like I said, it's a very competitive market out there. Cost of living crisis, they made the, the point there, to, to entirely valid. But the coverage I saw didn't ask the most pertinent question. Now, you know, the racing post, I actually listened to luck on sunday podcast because they had the marketing guy on there he got a ridiculously easy ride by luck uh the racing post didn't even ask like i said the most pertinent question and other people were having it as well i'd like to know why an ex-footballer and i'm reliably informed he's actually kind of like not flavor of the day in football either what prompted them to get uh jermaine genus an ex-footballer now a football pundit to head up a racing campaign now I don't get it. I'd like I'd like um, someone to ask, you know, Great British Racing, how they come to that conclusion that 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 was the figurehead should be someone not associated with racing. It's completely bizarre. I mean, well, 
lot of I think probably it probably got something to do with like cross sport population. Obviously, he's got a widening, wide reaching audience. You would imagine um, he's young. He's like a bit dynamic. He's got something about him, and I, I'd imagine they looked at. His... He's probably got about a thick end of one point six million rattling around in his pocket. <laughs> <laughs> And I'd imagine they. He's, he's got more about him now. He did that. He did that one video, and um, we said it at the time. I didn't even know the campaign was going on. I mean, this was in the height of summer. It was it was directed at young people, so that would include you two. You never saw you know hide nor hair of it. No, but it's not directed at me and it's directed at, you know, they would pick someone who's got a decent following of people that fall into the sort of young and got yeah. a bit of out, out, Outside our bubbles as such. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, like, like, um, I, I just don't think he's as, I don't think he's as random a selection as you're making him out to be. Oh, well, I think he's very random. That yeah. is a bit random. Yeah. <laughs> uh, look, look to me, and look, these, look, these, these things are difficult. You know, to, to, to hit one out of the park with this, like it will be extremely difficult. Um, look, in my view, and I know our views aren't terribly important here because we're not the audience, etc. But look, my view on these things is always that you, you need to, the person you get, they have to have a genuine interest and passion. I don't know, uh, Jermaine, how much interest, maybe he's a, a, a extremely enthusiastic racing fan. I don't know. But like I will recall, going back about kind of ah, so it's 15 years plus in Ireland, HRI nailed it. They got, do you know, you remember Hector? I I, I always mispronounce his um his his surname. Oh, was or, he one or, of the, uh, the, the bright captains one year? The first of Yes, them. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, very prominent media personality over here, like hyper-enthusiastic. TC would absolutely hate him, but <laughs> he, he loves racing. Like yeah. he has a genuinely great interest in racing has them did before that still does now and they did a let yourself go campaign did a tv advert you know hector going around like a lunatic jumping out over a fence let yourself go horse <laughs> racing and huh? people will still throw that back at you like when they when they see hector let yourself go and they did a reality tv show with pat flynn they bought a horse called traverse it might still be on youtube it's called only fools by horses and as campaigns go to try and get this, the, the, the sport, not just in, not just going racing for a few pints, but the actual intricacies and why this might stimulate you to get those into the public consciousness. Like I was still in school when Let Yourself Go came, or, sorry, when Only Fools by Horses came out. And like the classmates, like they're all coming in, oh, Traverse, brilliant. You know, they really caught people. And okay. like, I'm, not saying, so- I'm not saying it's easy, but it like it can be done as a as a great yeah. man once said. That's, um and yeah. I, I don't know if Jermaine was necessarily the the one. Okay, let's move on. Um exclamation noted. Does this need to end? This is in relation to Engelbert, who was ridden and trained well, ridden by Theodore Ladd, trained by James Ferguson in a novice race up at Newcastle in the week. And he got a very tender ride, shall we say, in said race. Um, jockey came in and gave his excuses. And then at the end of this of the stewards report, it says the explanation was noted. And TC, I think this is on you for calls for that to not be that's not good enough anymore, is it? Well, it's not, is it? I mean, like, <laughs> You have to be very careful what we say here. But when I see explanation noted, it's kind of like, do the stewards really buy into the excuse they just had? Probably not, but they're just, you know, kicking in the can down the road. This was particularly like 
anybody who watched that race wouldn't have been satisfied with it. The stewards weren't because they asked a question. The punters weren't. The owners weren't. Uh, the horse in question might be an extreme example because, you know, he's having his he's having another run after being refused to mark on his second and first start after a promising debut at Salisbury. Uh, he ran equally promisingly, but uh, then he uh, made a noise. So obviously, you know, where he had a wind problem on his second and first start there, handicapper refused to mark. Then he goes and runs like that. I mean, this is not a hundred to one shot finishing very tenderly handled into fifth. He's a five to two second favourite. You know, I think everybody involved will look at that and thinking, I'm not buying an excuse. It just looked absolutely awful. I mean, we've had we 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 had in the show, you know, two or three you know weeks ago, another ride at Newcastle where you we didn't see the head on and people saying he didn't get a run, etc. And that one his next two starts but I mean this looked really bad and I, I imagine the handicap will refuse to give him a marker after after his fifth start there and and quite rightly but is it good enough that people can see with their own eyes what's happened and we just get explanation noted all the time I mean, what do you have to do to get uh, a ban in this country that that's a wider point and I just think this explanation noted just needs to be kicked in the bin and just we get some Harsher stewards or some. It's an easy out, isn't it? Yeah, it's an easy out. It looked awful, didn't it? It it looked really poor, and like it wouldn't be a difficult thing to to. uh, These can be difficult things to 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 pin, etc. But it'd be very easy to get a video of of the rider riding a a competitive finish compared to the style and effort uh, of that. And say, God, there is a just a, a chasm of a contrast there. Why, you know, sharp price horse. You know, I know. Look, and we we talk about this all the time about you know level levels of 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 that that you can accept. You know, when they're a hundred to one and they're given three runs, I think a lot of people are happy to kind of accept that. Um, but this this is different. It, it looked terrible. Thought the stewards were could have been an awful lot stronger. Um, they chose, they had their reasons not for doing so, but it doesn't change the fact that it looked really poor. Um, and God, there there you pose the question, what would have happened if this situation had transpired in Hong Kong or someplace like that, where, where they are draconian, with uh, jockeys being seen to make the best possible effort. Yeah. Um, ooh. It I was... We were joking about, about if that happened in India. <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't have made it back to the way room. <laughs> yeah. Um, for those of you, there'll be people listening out there who missed the name of the horse that we're talking about. That is Engelbert, if you want to go back and watch it. Um, I always find that frustrating when you miss the name and then you want it again. Engelbert. Spell it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dyslexic. Leave me alone. Um, right. And the final topic to discuss is what is the logic behind Sky Sports Racing, chinning racing debate? and the newly launched preview show as well. Um, I don't think, timing-wise, I don't think racing debate being canned, that's been taken off air for anyone wondering that Sean Boyce and Matt Chapman's Sunday show, that's no longer going to be a thing. And then on Friday, they also launched the new digital show, which is called Weekend Winners. Um, I don't think the two things, one being cut and one being launched on the same day, have anything to do with each other, the same weekend, have anything to do with each other for what it's worth. Um, but some people out there will miss racing debate. Kev, what do you think the logic is here? 
I don't know. Look, there's always logic for decisions and reasons. Um, I, I'd really feel for Boise because I know and I, I would have been on this show many times over the last few years. And I know like Boise put so much into it. And like you, you almost sound it sounds wrong to say it, like, but Boise is so underrated for me. Like he he is a fabulous journalist and a fabulous broadcaster across any channel in racing. He could do he could do anything outside of racing if he wanted. I'd say, and it just I just feel for him because I know he put he put in he put in so much prep and, and so much rigor and how he approached the show to do it right journalistically. And look, I, I thought I thought it had a place. I thought it was it, it, it served an important function. Um, so it's a pity to see it go. But um, look, maybe it will return in, in a different format. There's always a place for that type of show. Um, but, but my main video was for Boise because uh, he's a top, top man, top operator. And it, it was a really good platform for him to show how good he is at that type of thing. Um, so I'll I, I miss it, but I'll I miss it for, for, for Sean as much as anything else. I, um, I, would definitely, I would definitely concur there. I mean, he's very similar. He's kind of like Sky Sports Racing's version of Richard Hoyles. I, I can see him doing anything. He is a really top class broadcaster. Um, you know, he's he's a punter. I think that shines through as well. He's very articulate, hardworking. You can tell he puts in a load of prep before the show. And obviously, he was visibly frustrated at times with, with Chapman um, and kind of like hogging the limelight there. But the demise of any show, if, you've liked, if you don't like the participants or whatever, uh, I'd, I'd be in favour of more debate rather than interviews in shows like that. But, you know, there was, there was some good stuff on occasions there. Uh, really good stuff and it's probably more punchy than luck on sunday which is more industry and a bit tame a bit stayed uh you know they'd not don't go after subjects like like chapman and sean did on occasions uh so yeah i i i i'd like it to come back um in another format and whatever because the more questioning we get the better the better we are yeah, look, I, I will miss it for sure. It's a show I watched every Sunday, but I concur your thoughts on in terms of Sean Boyce. I was actually on it on New Year's Day. Um, maybe that's why it's got canned, actually. Maybe my appearance yeah, on it. That's interesting, actually. Yeah. It does yeah. tie in. It does tie in. <laughs> Hungover Ryle killed the show. Ryle killed it. But uh, no, I you know I was su- not surprised because I know Sean Boyce pretty well, but you know the level of effort he put in and the producers put in to make that um, week in, week out, the best Sean could make it himself um you know credit to him and like you say look hopefully it might come back in a different format somewhere down the line and people out there might be sat there thinking hang on a minute Vanessa don't you work for Sky Sports Racing well I do but like it's not my show and I'm not in these sort of conversations but as with all things in television I I think the bottom line and you don't need to be Sherlock Holmes or be a media buff to realize like if people don't watch shows won't stay on air and I'd say not enough people were watching. And just because you see a fair bit of outrage on social media, that's just a very small catchment of people who are upset. And ultimately, if it wasn't clocking the right numbers, it'll be dropped. And I'd say it just wasn't rating. So that's probably the bottom line. That would be just be my guess. It's not an inside line. It's just my guess. Um, but like I say, it wouldn't take Sherlock Holmes to guess that because if you get high viewing figures, shows stay on air, just like this show. 
we get loads of listeners, loads of viewers, and we're still going, lads. But that does wrap up proceedings for now. Um, don't forget, please do subscribe to the Betfair YouTube channel. Watch this show if you would like. Uh, leave your comments. We do read them. Uh, they entertain us, and we do take your feedback on board. And don't forget, we'll be back with Racing Only Better on Thursday and Friday, two Racing Only Betters this week to cover the Dublin Racing Festival action on Saturday and Sunday in the detail it needs because it's going to be a belter of a weekend but for the time being lads thank you as always for your contributions and for you guys listening and viewing out there thank you very much and go and enjoy your week have a good one